0: song that we're singing that nothing satisfies like you do <clears throat> another way of saying that is sin leaves us empty and sometimes sin is just like <laughs> it can be understood like this evil stuff you do but really sin is simply putting your trust putting your hope in something that, that isn't eternal which is God. It's putting our hope and our trust in something other than God saying, you will fulfill me, or this thing will fulfill me. This will be enough. And the result of doing that is emptiness. It's being unsatisfied. It's being empty. It's getting to the end of that having, I got it! And going, why am I sad? Why do I feel empty? Why is that? I'll tell you why. It's because you put your hope in something that couldn't satisfy. There is a God spot, if I can say it that way. And whenever we put anything other than him there, we're left empty. And you go, why am I so frustrated? Why am I so empty? It's because only he can satisfy. Only he can. Well, I don't know, I felt pretty good when I made, uh, you know, 100000 that year. I felt pretty good. And what, what's in the wake? <laughs> a disaster? Families in disarray? And I, I don't know what, but... I guarantee you at some point, it'll leave you empty because only He can satisfy. And if you've experienced that satisfaction in Him, you know that nothing else can satisfy like that. So I pray this morning for you and me that we would experience the satisfaction of trusting in Him fully, in Him only, and everything else is just gifts that we can enjoy, but only He would satisfy us. I pray that we would know that on a daily basis. So we thank you for that, Jesus, that you are enough, and you give true satisfaction. So we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, why don't you turn to somebody and say, only him, only Jesus can satisfy. All right. Well, wonderful to see everyone today. Now, if you didn't know about it, we are having a picnic after church today, um, and you're welcome to stay, even if you didn't know about it. You're welcome to stay. We'll be hanging out for a while uh, and enjoying food and the wonderful weather. And I believe there's a beanbag tournament. No? Where's Neil? Yeah, I heard whispers of it. So uh, Neil is in the back there by the sound booth. He'll wave right now. There he goes. If you want to be in the beanbag tournament, you can talk to him. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's free to get in, right? If you got an arm or something that can fling a beanbag, you are welcome. You're probably going to lose if if you don't have much confidence. But there's some pretty good beanbaggers here. Okay, a few other announcements. Uh, David Wagner will be with us July 17th at 6.30 and Sunday, July 18th at 10 a.m. So that was something we had to reschedule. Um, So that's July 17th and 18th. Um, Kids Camp is coming up July 19th and 20th. It'll be right here at the church, and there are registration forms in the back. If you have a child, a grandchild, a niece or nephew, somebody in that age, uh, you can pick up those forms in the back. And then we also have Youth Camp coming up, uh, and that's the 21st through the 23rd of July. That is going to be a busy week. Yeah. Okay, it will be good. Good. And that's also at the church here, and registration forms are in the back. Looks something like that. Okay. Uh, and then if you guys have any questions or you want us to have your information so we can let you know what's happening, Dave Drexler here will be in the back table, and you can get his info, your info to him or if you need to change your information. So, all right. Look at that. Aroma coffee in the back. There's, there's what you can get right there. So. Well, this morning we're going to give you the opportunity to give if you'd like. Um, ushers are going to help me. If you want to write out a check, it's Destiny Church. If you want to give cash and want a receipt for your giving, they have envelopes. Just give them a wave and a smile. But wave, wave proudly if you want one. They're looking. So, you know, I I like to say this. Maybe I say it too much. Maybe not. But I like to say that when we give. You know, in this context, this is just one way that we get to give everything that we've received from the Lord. This, you know, we get an opportunity to then give and to partake in the generosity of who God is. How many know that our Heavenly Father is very generous? Emphasis on very. He's very generous. He's so generous that He gave His Son uh, to stand in our place. And He gives more than that. So we're so thankful. So I just think as his children, like, we get to act like our father and say, man, I'm going to be generous today, and I know there's wisdom involved, like, you got to use wisdom, but the other side is sometimes just some radical uh, and over and above generosity is sometimes like, well, that doesn't really make sense. Neither did God giving his son Jesus, so try to make sense of that one. (laughs) He loved you so much. I guess that's the sense of it. But anyway, so we get to give. We get to act and be like our Father in giving. And in doing that, we say, Lord, you have my heart. You have it all, you know. So let's get ready to give. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to give. And Lord, I thank you that uh, for every person that's giving this morning and for every opportunity that we take to show generosity in whatever way it is, that you see that. You're pleased when, we, when we're generous with our life, because we look like you and we do that. So we thank you for this opportunity to give, and we thank you that you're giving seed to the sowers, you're putting resources in the hands of those who are givers. So we thank you for it, in Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead, ushers. All right, we have a video for you, so two blinks and it'll be on.
1: trying to mold our hopes and dreams of the future to fit into the current landscape of our world. So many voices telling us to get ready, get going, calling us to be more and forcing us to be something. Sometimes we try to see our future, but it's like every scene of our lives and every choice we took on pain, believe that lie, experience depression, we're lured into temptation, or pulled away by distraction, we find another path to the place we were destined. Though the world has unlimited places we can be found, we have only one seat with our name on it, where we can really be found. There's a place prepared for us where we can truly feel alive, where we are of royal identity. Will that seat be left open? Or will you be there? Are you stepping toward that place? Are you ready? Kingdom ready.
2: Well, that's an advertisement for youth camp, by the way. My, my daughter stayed up all night and uh, put that together. So we ought to give her a good hand. <laughs> she, got a <clears throat> she got a great gift. She always tries to get me in videos, and I'm going, listen, you, need the, you got the wrong person. You need to find another actor. I'm telling you that right I, I'm not that, but she always tries to get me in. Anyways, so she does a great job. So that's for youth camp. It's coming up. So if you have youth, we invite you to sign them up for youth camp. It'll be a blessing to them. Well, we got great things ahead this morning. I'm going to talk to you about something that I think is really important. I want to talk to you about the subject of prayer. And I titled this message, A World Shaped by Prayer or Not. And uh, that phrase, A World Shaped by Prayer, comes from Ian Bounds. He said, God shapes the world by prayer. And, um, and he, God shapes your world by prayer. And without prayer, things don't go good. Let me just say that to you right now. You know, it's interesting that you hear a lot of times that verse. I don't know if you ever, ever heard it, but you hear that verse where it says, all things work together for good. How many ever heard that verse? To those that love God, those that are called according to purpose. It's a very well-known verse. But if you look at that verse in context and not just take it out of its setting, but take, put it in context, Verse 26 says that the Spirit himself helps us in our weakness. We know not what to pray for as we ought. The Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that, verse 27 says, he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together. So when you put that verse in its context, he's talking about prayer. He says, as we pray, as we're, as our prayer, as we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit and pray Holy Spirit-inspired prayers, what happens is God causes all things to work together for our good. But just to take that verse out, when there's a prayerlessness in the church, when there's a prayerlessness in the church, and then to say that all things work together for good, I think it's being presumptuous. Thank you, Steve, for your enthusiasm. That's true. You know, it's interesting. There's a guy named John Wesley who started the Methodist movement and and is the father of the Methodist church, he said this. Now listen to the statement. He says, God does nothing, God does nothing but an answer to prayer. Isn't that a wild statement? I mean, if that's true, I think it's it's a difficult situation that we find ourselves in. Because prayerlessness then becomes the most frightening of all conditions in the church today prayerlessness becomes the most frightening of all conditions. Amen. And so it's either a world shaped by prayer or we are descending into a world shaped by chaos because of prayerlessness. And it really, you know, you think about this, there are people that are they commit themselves to prayer, are devoted to prayer, they pray a lot every day. But if every Christian would just pray for a little while every day, like 10 minutes. I mean, it's I mean, that's really not a lot to ask. And what happens, it makes so much, so much difference in people's lives. They say that the lowest attended meeting in the church is the prayer meeting. And, and when you think about that, that is a sobering reality. Not that you, we, we do all our praying at church, but um, it's very important that we grasp the importance of having a life that is uh, at least given to prayer at times, given to prayer. Amen. And so if John Wesley's statement is true, then I think that every single one of us need to embrace the idea that we have to engage in the program of prayer. We All of us have to engage in the program of prayer. And so I want you to think about this for a second. I want you to go with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, we talked about the full armor of God. And, um, and so when you look, read through the full armor of God... You come to the very end. We talked about each piece of the armor. When you come to the very end, the very next thing that Paul says in verse uh, verse 19 or 18, he says, and praying, he immediately goes right into it. He goes, there's like not a change in thought or a change in idea. He goes, and praying with all prayer or praying in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Think about that for a second. Then he goes on to say in verse 19, he says, And pray for me, that utterance may be given unto me. So the idea, and this this is a problem that we have in the church, is that we think, you know, you hear people say this, that you know God's got everything under control, and that everything that happens is God's will. I just want you to know that not everything that happens is God's will. I know there's a lot of people that think that. They think, well, that God orchestrates every event from, and that happens in our life. That means every bad thing, God orchestrated. Every tragic thing, God orchestrates it. But if that's true, just think about that for a second. If that's true, if everything that happens is God's will, if that's true, then prayer is totally meaningless. At least prayer to change something is totally meaningless. Because in other words, God's going to do what he's going to do no matter what I, if I pray or if I don't pray. And that's not the case at all. Now there are some things that are set. There are some things that are set. I mean, there's a there's a destination that this world is headed toward, and and because the the, the Bible predicts certain things that are going to happen, that Jesus is going to come back. That's set. Uh, there's going to be a resurrection of the dead. That's set. There's certain things that are set. But to say that every event in your life is is de- is happening because God decreed it, that is false. That is not true. Prayerlessness actually causes our lives to descend into chaos. And, um, and, and we start to go the wrong direction. That's why it's so important for, our, for us to pray. Paul says here, pray in the spirit at all, on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. And with this in mind, Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Can you kind of see how many times he mentions prayer? Listen to this verse. Philippians chapter 4, he says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Now, look, look at how many times he mentions prayer in that verse. He says, in everything, by prayer. In everything, by prayer. Go on a vacation. Go on vacation by prayer. Going to work? Go to work by prayer. Going to eat something? Better pray. Especially if you're eating in a restaurant. Better pray. I mean, every in everything by prayer. He's saying do everything in, by prayer. Do it by prayer. Notice how he says this. Everything by prayer. Then he says and supplication. Supplication is another form of prayer. With thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a form of prayer. Let your request be made known. Letting your request be made known is a Form of prayer, so in that one verse, he mentions four. He mentions prayer four times, different kinds of praying. And so, the thing that I'm trying to emphasize here is that it's so important for us that we engage in the habit of prayer. You know, years ago when I first became a Christian, I um, I went to a, a and you. If you've heard me talk about prayer, you've heard me tell this story. I'll just tell it again. And but when I first became a Christian, after a few months, I went to this service. And this guy talked about uh, that the only place that God gives a time limit for prayer is one hour. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, could you not tarry with me one hour? And so I thought, well, and then we used to sing this song in the church, Sweet Hour of Prayer. And he kind of went through this whole sermon where he said, it doesn't say sweet 10 minutes or sweet five minutes or, you know, whatever. He says, Sweet Hour of Prayer. How many ever heard that song? You want me to sing it for you? <laughs> kind of like blah, 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 blah. there were some yeses and because you wanted to see me humiliated, there were some no's and there was mumbling. So, but I'm not going to sing it for you. But anyways, but but the point that he was making was that you know there's that we should develop this discipline of prayer. So anyways, I started as yes, a young Christian. I was only saved probably three months. I was 17 years old. I started praying one hour a day. And you say, well, it was just glorious, wasn't it? And I said, no, it wasn't. In fact, the first time I did it, I I put a a clock there and I didn't want to look at the clock. I put it out there. I didn't want to look at it because I didn't want God to think I was bored. And so I prayed and 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 I prayed, prayed about everything I could think of praying about, even things I hadn't thought of before. I prayed about those things and I looked. I finally thought, well, I better look. I've probably gone over an hour. I don't want to go too long, you know. And so I thought I'm going to look. So I looked. And I don't remember the exact, but it was like 10 minutes. And I remember looking at that clock thinking, I won't be able to do this. And so I struggled with the discipline of prayer for weeks, every day, praying an hour. When I say praying, I don't mean just petitioning, but I mean praise, worship. I'd sing songs. I'd read my Bible. I'd meditate. But my whole focus was on communication with God. That was my whole focus for one hour. And what happened was, in my life, what happened, s- things started to change drastically in my life spiritually. My, ap- my appetite started to change. My interest started to change. My perceptions about spiritual things started to change. Things started to become more, I became, became, began to become more alert spiritually. There's a lot of things that shifted inside of me when I started to pray. But what also happened is I I began to go from this discipline of prayer, which was a discipline, to actually a delight. In other words, I started looking forward to those times of prayer. I started going, I can't wait to get in there and just shut everything out and just spend time with God. I started actually, it it became a discipline at first, and then it became a delight. And that will be true with all of us. And I'm not saying you should start with an hour, because that's pretty... Unless you want to. But but you should start somewhere with some time, some quiet time of prayer. You see, you know, we say that Christianity, I always say this, that it's a it's based on a relationship. That the Christianity can be defined by one word, and that is the word relationship. <clears throat> and so, first of all, relationship with God, then relationship with people. And so, um, relationship the key to relationship all of us know this the key to relationship is communication if there's no communication there's no relationship if you don't have communication with somebody you don't have a relationship with that person married couples struggle because of a lack of communication when they start communicating when they really start communicating heart to heart what happens is their relationship starts blossoming and the same is true with our relationship with God is that if you can't communicate, in other words, if you can't talk to God and He talked back to you and there's a communication, your relationship with God is non-existence and your Christianity is stuck. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Right? So there has to be a communication. And so that communication is done in prayer. And so Jesus, when He taught the Lord, we call it the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6. Look at this verse here. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, he said this. Do I sound like I need water? I don't know what happened. I woke up feeling great. I, don't, I feel fine, but my throat, all of a sudden, I got here. I wasn't yelling at anybody. <clears throat> but I don't know what happened. But. Thank you. So anyways, so here Jesus, when he taught the Lord's Prayer, the first thing that he says, and in fact, you can use the Lord's Prayer as a pattern for your prayer time. Because it starts out with, it starts out with our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So that's basically starting out with a Halloween, the name of God. Lord, I just today I just exalt you. I praise you. I thank you. I, I, I turn my focus on you this morning um, at this time. And so it's calling God our father. He's not like our judge or our, our whatever. He's our father in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Then he goes this. Thy kingdom, because the very first thing he says after he hallowed the name of God, he goes, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so the very first thing he talks about doing is praying that God's, thy, his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it's being done in heaven. And so that's the objects of our praying to change situations. This situation isn't right and so what we're going to do is we're going to pray and we want this situation to come in line and for God's will to be done in this situation as it's being done in heaven. That's why, you know, I don't believe that sickness is God's will, because I don't think when we get to heaven, we're going to be sick. I don't think we're going to be like walking around the streets of gold going, I think the flu's going around. <laughs> COVID is in heaven. I, I, I just don't think so. Right? And so if, it's, if there's none up there, we should pray. And I know that that's maybe a controversial statement, but we should pray that earth would line up with heaven. Amen. Earth would come into agreement with heaven. So the object of my praying is I want earth to line up with heaven. I want it to come into agreement with heaven. And so the will of God is done in heaven. So the focus of my prayer is to see the will of God done on earth. And so that means the will of God is not automatic. Thank you. That means the will of God's not automatic. It has to be prayed into the earth by people who are aggressive in their prayers. You know, I thought it was interesting. I don't know if anybody here has heard of uh, uh, an evangelist from years ago called Charles Finney, but he was a tremendous evangelist back in the 1840s, 50s, right before the Civil War. And he would actually have revivals in cities where the whole city would get saved. I mean, not like a little town, but the whole city would get saved. And he said that revival is not a miracle. Revival is not a miracle. We just kind of sit around and wait, you know, that it's a, some kind of a sovereign move of God. He said, it's not, Finney said, it's not a sovereign move of God. He said, if you implement the keys to revival, revival will come. And one of the things that he emphasized was prayer. He had a guy that followed him along. He was a Catholic priest named Father Nash. And that, and that guy would pray intense prayers for revival, pray intense prayers for revival. And what would happen is then Finney would come and he would start preaching on, on, on uh, repentance and on uh, getting your life right with God. And, but there was always such an intensity with his preaching, that people, they have what they call mourner benches. I, I thought this was pretty interesting. They have mourner benches where people would get under conviction, and, and if you couldn't stand it anymore, the conviction was so great, you'd come and sit, sit at the mourner bench. Now listen to this. I've only seen this a few times. But he said sometimes people become under such conviction of sin that they would start to cry out. Not, not like words, but just, ah, can you imagine going to a service and you're up there preaching, all of a sudden people start going, ah! And so finally, at times, and he would not give an altar call right away, he let the conviction work on people's hearts. And finally, he, finally, like one time he was preaching, he had to stop the service because he couldn't, people couldn't hear him because the people were yelling so loud because they were in, uh, in, in agony over their sin. But you know what's interesting about Finney? 85% of the people that received Christ in Finney's meetings stay, stayed saved until they died. 85%. Most modern day evangelists struggled to get out of the single digits. I used to work for the Billy Graham Association, and we, had, we continually re, re, amp, revamped our follow up because when they check on the converts after six months, most of them had. Basically, fallen away or lost interest in following Christ, and so we can continue to revamp, revamp our follow-up. And but my point is, is that he was saying that revival is not that big of a mystery. It's not that big of. It's not a sovereign move of God. If you implement the 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 ingredients, revival will come. And one of the things that he emphasized was prayer. Now, here's here's way I approach. That's all introduction. So here's how I approach prayer. Uh, There are three reasons why I pray. Here's the three reasons. Here's why I pray. I pray, number one, because I need to. I pray because I need to pray. I pray because others need me to pray. I pray because others need me to pray. I pray because God needs me to pray. There was a man that said this, and uh, it kind of goes along with what, Uh, Wesley said, that God limits himself to our prayer life. This guy went on to say that God will do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him to. That's interesting to think about that. Just think about in your family right now, if your family, uh, God's working in your family's life is limited to your prayer life. Just think about that for a second. How How does that strike you? Uh oh. <laughs> and like I'm saying is situations can be overcome by prayer. And so I pray because I, I, I have a great need. And it's an amazing awakening when we see our great need to pray. In Luke chapter 18, verse one, it said men ought. Jesus taught this parable. He said men ought always to pray and not to faint. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. The word faint. Some translations say lose heart, cave in. But one translation actually says men ought always to pray and not turn out badly. When we don't pray, things turn out badly. When we don't pray, things turn out badly. And so there has to be something, because what happens when you pray, something from God is imparted unto you. You know, it's interesting. I was talking to this preacher one time, and I kept looking at him, because he acted like this other preacher that I knew. And he had some of the same mannerisms. He'd he'd tip his head a certain way, and he had some of the same, makes certain statements that were similar to this other preacher. And so as we kept talking, all of a sudden he said, oh yeah, I've been hanging out with that preacher. I go, I knew it! Because you're picking up his mannerisms, you're picking up some of his sayings. And that's true when we hang out with God. One of the things that happens is that our life begins to reflect the time that we spent with him. And so uh, the truth is that when we spend time with God, what happens is something is imparted to our life. There's a new strength that comes, a new strength that comes. There's a new uh, vitality. There's a new spiritual perception. Hope comes. There's an encouragement that comes when we pray. We put ourselves in a position to hear the voice of God. You know, the Bible says a very well-known verse in Isaiah chapter 40. It says, those that wait upon the Lord. And that's really what praying a private time of prayer is. It's waiting upon the Lord. Where we're just waiting upon him. We're we're thanking him. We're praising him. we're, We're petitioning him. We're spending time in his word. We're spending time in his presence. If we wait upon the Lord, we renew our strength. We renew our strength. It says, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They say that, I don't know if you ever watched an eagle. I think they're a pretty fascinating bird. They don't do a lot of flapping. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever watched eagles? They don't do a lot of flapping. Uh, other birds, like hummingbirds, do a lot of flapping. It's like vibration, practically, you know what I mean? But, but eagles don't do a lot of flapping. They have huge wings. And what they do is they just look for currents, and when they find currents, they just begin to soar, and and, that, and and so basically the idea is that they can go high, with a lot of, without a lot of effort, and that's the picture the Bible is painting here about people that wait upon the Lord is that they can go high with a lot of, without a lot of effort. What's interesting, the word here for weight, is a very interesting word. It means to to uh, actually uh, uh, what they call braid or to wrap yourself around. And, and the idea there is it, you know I don't know why it seems like there's been a lot of vines in our in our forest lately but what ha- happens is this vine that has this little narrow trunk that couldn't stand up on its own very high but what it does is it always wraps itself around a mighty oak. Have you ever seen how many have ever seen that? You ever seen that? And so all of a sudden this this vine that's very. It's very narrow. It has shaft. is very narrow. It, it's, it goes higher, but it doesn't go higher on its own strength. It doesn't like, oh, look at how strong I am. But what it does is it goes over to a big oak tree and it starts wrapping itself around. Uh, every prayer time, every prayer time, it takes another lap around the tree. Every prayer time, it takes another lap around the tree until finally it goes, look at how high I am. And I'm not even that strong, but what, it's, what it is, it, it is the tree. And that's the idea here. They that wait upon the Lord, those that wrap themselves around the Lord, renew their strength. Because why? Their strength's God's strength. Right? Their peace is God's peace. Their joy is God's joy. Because they're wrapped around Him. You know, years ago, I thought of this story, and again, this you probably heard me tell this story, but years ago, I was, I was thinking about how we are in Christ. And I was trying to illustrate that that point, that we are in Christ. And and so I was praying and thinking about those verses because there's over 100 verses that say that we are in Christ. I was trying to illustrate that. I was thinking about it. And all of a sudden, this scene from my past kept coming to my mind. And, uh, And the scene was, my my sister and I and our family had gone fishing in Canada. And my my sister caught this small little fish. And so we always, when we catch a fish, you know, we always go get the net or, you know, whatever. And so she was caught this fish. She was reeling it in. And uh, we were saying, do you, do you want the net? No, nah, it's small. You don't need the net. And uh, and all of a sudden she got it up to the boat and this big old, I think it was a northern. We, we just saw a flash. This big old I'll say Northern, all of a sudden just, you know, hit this little wall, I swallowed it whole and took the bait, well, it was the bait, uh, the lure and broke the line all in one whoosh like that. We just saw this swirl, white flash swirl and all of a sudden her line is like dangling there. And we're all like, wow, you know, that was, that's impressive, you know. And so when I was talking, when I was thinking about this this term, in Christ, I kept seeing this picture, this, this incident in my, my 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 sister's fishing trip to Canada. I kept thinking, I don't get it. I don't know why I keep seeing this. And all of a sudden, as I thought about it some more, I got this, I got this sermon. It's called The Law of the Bigger Fish. And what it is, is like we are the little fish that got caught by the devil and he's reeling us in and he's laughing. Ha, 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 ha. And we're struggling to get loose and we can't get loose. And Jesus is the bigger fish. And he comes and swallows us whole. Now, where are we? We are in Christ. We're in the bigger fish. It's a good example. Come on. <laughs> what can we do? Well, whatever the bigger fish can do. Where can we go? Wherever the bigger fish can go. What can we accomplish? Whatever the bigger fish can accomplish. Why? Because we're in the bigger fish. And that's the idea here is that as we wait upon the Lord, as we pray, spend time on a daily basis waiting upon the Lord, what happens is His strength becomes our strength. His strength comes into us. See, Jesus, and this has always been a mystery to me, why Jesus prayed. But Jesus modeled personal prayer, not as a slavish duty or ritual, but as a necessity, a means of intimate communication with his father. Look at Luke chapter 5, verse 16. It says, But Jesus often slipped away away from them and went into the wilderness to pray. He often slipped away from them and went into a, a solitary place, and there he prayed. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, it says, And leaving the synagogue, Jesus went into a high hill, to spend the whole night there in prayer to God. In fact, there are 25 different references to Jesus praying in the New Testament, him him pulling alongside and praying. There's 25 different uh, references. In fact, another one is in Luke chapter nine, we call it the Mount of Transfiguration, where he took Peter, uh, James, and John and climbed a high mountain, and there he prayed. And as he prayed, his face shone Uh, And the glory of God came upon him and so on. We won't go through the whole story. But my point is, is that Jesus modeled this thing about prayer. And if we are followers of Christ, if we're his disciples, then we need to be the type of people that pull alongside, disengage from our activities and spend some time praying to God. I heard this guy, Leonard Ravenhill, he said this, a sinning man stops praying and a praying man stops sinning. See how that worked on you. And so Jesus himself, he developed healthy habits. The Bible says, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath. He would read scripture and he would also pray. And so he developed these healthy habits. And that's something that we, every single one of us need to do. You know, it's interesting that Jesus' disciples never asked him to teach them to preach or to teach, but they all asked him to teach them to pray. Isn't that interesting? They didn't say, Lord, teach me how to preach. Lord, teach me how to teach the scriptures. He didn't, they didn't ask for that, but they said, Lord, teach me how to pray. Because they saw something about his life that, that the effectiveness of his life came from his private time with, with God. And so it's so important for us. Now, I want you to turn one more verse here. And I'll use this as we, well, I got another verse, actually. How, how are we doing? Good? You guys still doing okay? All right. So we're going to start a revival this morning. I'm giving you one of the ingredients for a wholesale revival. You know, it's interesting. Anytime you see a revival, like I don't know if you ever heard of the Brownsville revival in uh, Florida, uh, in Pensacola, Florida. It lasted for like five years. They say there was like three million people that got saved through that revival. They came from all over every different country there was. Isn't that amazing? But they said, they said the church spent two years praying for revival, and one Sunday morning the fire fell. So Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, this verse comes at the end of a, of a, of a passage on prayer. It starts in verse 14. It, this is the second to the last verse on, in several verses on prayer. For time's sake, we won't read all the verses, but listen to what he said. Some of you will recognize this verse. It says, Paul says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. It's interesting that he could have said that God is able to do above all we could ask or think. How many would agree with that? That God, God can do beyond what I can ask or think. But that's quite a statement when you think about it. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly. He has those two words, exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. And so he wants us to know that whatever you could ask or think, God is able to do so much beyond that. Amen. So much beyond that. You say, well, I, I, I need this or I, I need this relationship to work out. I need this child to come back to the Lord. I need this financial situation. I need this healing. I need this uh, whatever, whatever it is. I need this. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, and if he stopped right there, I think that would be a safe verse, a good verse. I think it would be a verse that we would all agree with. We'd all get on the on, on the on the bandwagon with. But the next part of that verse is the part that goes, "What he says not." He goes according to the power that works in us. That's the one that goes, "Wow." He says, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. So that means there, he doesn't say according to the power that's in us, but according to the power that works in us. And that's an important distinction there. Because if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He has made his home in you. But what we want is we don't want just the Holy Spirit to be inside of us. We want the Holy Spirit to work. To become active inside of us. Right. You know, Jesus, there's an interesting story. Most of us here have read it. It's in Mark chapter five with the healing, healing of the woman with the issue of blood. And what it it was the way the story goes, we won't take time to read it, but Jesus was walking along there and it says the the multitudes was thronging him. And all of a sudden this woman that had an issue of blood for 12 years came up behind him and she touched his garment. Most of us have heard this story. And when she touched his garment, something left Jesus. It says virtue, power, left Jesus and went into her and healed her. And she immediately, she knew that she was healed. So Jesus stops and he goes, who touched me? And the disciples go, everyone's touching you. He goes, no, somebody touched me. Somebody touched me. And so the woman came and told Jesus the whole story. And, And so Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and behold thy plague. But here's my point. My point is that everybody was touching Jesus and their power was present The woman proves there is power present in the person of Jesus. Power was present. Jesus is walking along. People are touching him. People are touching him out of curiosity. People are touching him for a number of different reasons. But all of a sudden, this woman touched him in faith. And when she touched him in faith, that power went into action. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's not saying, according to to the power that's in us, but he's, he's saying according to the power that works in us. So all of us, like I said, we have the Holy Spirit in us. But how much of it is work? How much of the Holy Spirit is actually active working inside of us? And that's what we want, right? We want that power to work in us. And so what happens is when we pray, we actually increase the uh, we increase God's, the capacity of the Holy Spirit's working in our lives. As we pray, as we spend time praying, this is, this is under the heading of, I need to pray. I pray because I need to pray. We increase the capacity of the Holy Spirit's working in our lives. Amen. See, when Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 7, he used the, a river as an example. He told them that if you come to me and drink, you believe on me, as the scripture says, out of your belly will flow, liver, will flow rivers of living water. Then he said, this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those who believe in him should receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So he, he likened the Holy Spirit as a river, as a river. How many know that rivers can dry up? How many know that's true? Rivers can go, can go down to a little trinkle. We get this little trinkle. We go there's a trinkle of life. We sing that song. There's a river of life flowing now. Then we go there's a trinkle of life flowing out. There's a puddle, puddle. It's not moving anymore, you know. There's a puddle in me, you know. And so we want to get that puddle moving, right? We want to get that we want to increase that. Uh, sometimes we live, listen, sometimes we live in a spiritual drought and that river sort of sort of withers up dries up. And we want to get that river, we want to get that, thing. and sometimes the river can plug up by debris. You know, when, the, when Jesus talked about prayer, the number one thing that he mentioned was unforgiveness. I remember years ago, I heard this, I'm almost done. I heard this uh, story about this man. He said that he had a vision. He was watching this lady and he said he saw this vision of this pipe coming down from heaven and then it elbowed 90 degrees and it pointed right at his face. And he goes, he's looking at it. And he said, he looked up above the pipe and he saw all this water pouring out of heaven into the top of the pipe. But then when it elbowed and came toward him, it just spurted out. Just a little spurt here and there, spurt, spurt. And he's going, it was almost irritating. And he's going, what is this? And the Lord said, that is the river of life that's coming from heaven. But this pipe is, is, your, is your vessel, but it's plugged up. And he goes, and so very little comes out. Even though the, the river is coming into it, very little is coming out of it. And so he goes, well, what, what is plugging it up? And he said, your unforgiveness. Your unforgiveness is plugging this thing up. It's stopping the flow. Now, if you look at the scripture's especially the ones where Jesus taught on prayer, like even the Lord's Prayer. Forgiveness is mentioned in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So here's a river, but when we have attitudes toward people, we won't talk to somebody or we ignore people. Or we, and, and sometimes people are toxic and you, you have to have some distance. But when we, we allow these things to, to, to clog up, it, it stops the flow of God's presence. I remember I heard this preacher saying he was a great prayer warrior, he says, you can't let the least bit unforgiveness or attitudes of unforgiveness remain in your heart. You've got to get rid of them as soon as you can. Just get rid of them. And sometimes you have to go to great lengths to make peace with somebody. It doesn't mean that you have to you know, live in the same house, unless you're married, of course, but... but It doesn't mean that you have to live in the same house with the person you're making peace with, but you should have no ill will or animosity toward anybody because it stops the flow of God's presence. Amen? See, so prayer brings us into vital union with the Father. So here's the thing. As the worship team comes, as we bring this to a close, why do I pray? What's my point? There's three points. Why do I pray? I'm touching on the first point today. I pray cuz I need to pray. Why should you pray? You should pray cuz you need to pray. Now we're going to talk about others need us to pray and even God needs us to pray. But right now, I pray because I need to pray. I need for my capacity to receive from my capacity to receive from God increases as I pray. There's a there is a deadness and there's a dullness spiritually that hangs, is with people that don't spend time with God. There's a deadness and a dullness about it. And um, it's a wonderful thing when, when, uh, when, you know, like you take, uh, you take sticks that are, are on fire, you put them together, you get yourself a bonfire. And so when you get a church together and everybody's praying, I don't mean that they're all praying, you know, six hours a day, but I mean if everybody's praying, if everybody in this church would spend just a little bit of time every day praying, it would, it would make a huge difference in the environment that we, that we worship together with. Some people say, well, it's, it's awkward. I don't get a lot out of it. You have to go. It's like any discipline that you start. When you start it, It's awkward. When you start it, it's hard to do. It's like working out. I mean, if you ever started working out, that's a. first of all, just getting the desire to work out is is big. But then after a while, once you do it and you develop that discipline, you get up in the morning, you go, I got to work out today. Right? And so anytime you start a discipline, it starts with a discipline, but if you stay with it, it'll always turn into a delight. How many know what I mean? It always will turn into a light, a delight, and prayer is like that. The early church, they were a bunch of praying fanatics. I mean, they devoted themselves to prayer. And they did it, you know, when they when the Bible characterizes their life. They met together, they had fellowship, they broke bread together, they listened to the apostles' teaching, and they prayed. Those were the four things that they did. And they did that continually they met together, they broke bread together, they had fellowship, they broke bread, they listened to the apostles' teaching, and they prayed. And we can't get away from this one aspect that is so important in our lives, and that is the aspect of prayer. Because we pray because we need to pray. Every single one of us need to pray. If you're serious serious about having a relationship with God, Relationships are based on communication. Relationships are built based on communication. Without communication, there's no healthy relationship. I read this quote by John Wesley. He said this, he said, Give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin, desire nothing but God. I care not a straw. I don't know what that means, a straw. I care not a straw, whether they be clergymen or laymen, such alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. Isn't that powerful? I think the most feared thing by our adversary is when you pull aside, you say, I'm going to spend some time, even if it's 10 minutes, I'm going to spend some time and I'm going to pray. I'm going to thank God. I mean, you say, well, I don't know what to thank God for. You can even thank God for hard situations that you're in. Thank God in the situation. You don't necessarily thank God for the situation, but thank God in the situation. Thank God for you got plenty to eat. Thank God you have friends. Thank God you got a great church to go to. Thank God you got a pastor that's mildly interesting to listen to. Thank God that you got a worship team that brings the very presence of God. Thank God you have brothers and sisters that love God and that you can go hang out together and you can have, be friends. I mean, there's so many things to be thankful for. You thank God for, your, thank God for your grandkids. There's so many things to be thankful for. Starting out thanking God, making sure there's no ill will. Because if there's ill will, it doesn't matter how much you justify it, it's going to hinder your prayer life, the effectiveness of your prayer life. Let's all stand together. In fact, you know what the Bible says? Peter says, husbands and wives should dwell together in harmony. Should dwell together in harmony. And then it says this, lest your prayers be hindered. Even husband and wives, if you're not dwelling together in harmony, it says that your prayers can be hindered. He says your prayer life can be hindered because of disharmony In the home. And so all of us here, we desperately need to pray. Amen. Amen. So let's bow our heads just for a moment. Let's let's pray. Let's spend just a few seconds here praying. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We just thank you, God. We just thank you, Lord, today. We thank you, God. We thank you for the spirit of prayer. We thank you for the spirit of prayer, for the unction to pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just release in this place an unction to pray. The spirit of prayer. You said in your word that you would pour out the spirit of supplication upon your people. Grace and supplication. Right now, God, I pray for the spirit of prayer to fall upon this place. Hallelujah. I pray for the spirit of prayer to fall upon this place. Hallelujah. I just pray, God, right now, that there'd be such an urgency an urgency an urgency in, inside of us to pray hallelujah thank you lord to pray thy kingdom come to pray thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven lord we just pray for our nation god that lord we just pray lord that your kingdom would come to our nation your will will be done in this nation lord we pray for our state god that your kingdom would come to this state Your will would be done in this state, Lord. We pray for our community, this this surrounding area, Lord. We pray that thy kingdom would come to this area. Thy will would be done in this area, Lord. Hallelujah. We just thank you, Lord, that there is a tremendous breakthrough coming to this area, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we just thank you that we are on the precipice. Hallelujah. We are on the brink of a mighty outpouring, a mighty outpouring of your spirit, Lord. Hallelujah. In this place, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. That the will that you have for this place, hallelujah, that we would live up to that plan and design that you have for this place, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. We just thank you, Lord. We just thank you, God. We praise you, Lord. We praise you for a tremendous spiritual awakening to come to our lives and come to the lives of every person in this room and to the people in our surrounding area. Hallelujah. And we will not relent, Lord, until we see your kingdom come, your will be done in this area, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Will you just lift your hand just thank God for those things coming to pass. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. We just thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads just for a moment. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. My One of my great desires is, Lauren was singing earlier, about this place being a house of miracles, a house of worship, a house of miracles. You know, Jesus cleansed the temple one time. And then he said, this is my father's house is a house of prayer. And then the next thing that he did was he healed the sick there. And I just, I've, I've been asking God that we could step into, that we could step into, we, that we could step into uh, where people would actually be healed just being here. They would have experienced Healing. And um, so while I was praying, I just kept seeing this that... and I I mean, I I think I trust God to use my imagination to anoint my imagination to see things. So as I was standing there, as we were praying, I I kept seeing that there's someone here that has like a stomach ailment. And I don't mean like you have the flu, but it's like something in this area like maybe it could be a female issue or, or some, somebody has a stomach ailment of some type here. And I, I, as I'm saying this, I, I sense God's presence right now, that he's healing that right now. that he, He's healing that right now. That if you have some kind of a stomach ailment, it could, be, it could be a female issue of cyst or whatever, that God's healing that right now, that he's healing that, that ailment right now. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I know that could be a private thing, so I'm not going to ask you to respond, but uh, just, just receive it right now. If that's you, just receive it right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for miracles, Lord. Thank you for, I just pray, I thank you, God, right now for miracles breaking out in this room, Lord. Hallelujah. Like the early church prayed, they prayed that you would stretch forth your hand to heal. That's how they prayed, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. And I just feel, I feel this way too. Listen to this. I feel like there are some prayers, some grandma prayers some mommy, daddy prayers, grandpa prayers that are chasing some, some of your descendants. Even some of you in this room, they're chasing you. Hallelujah. I know my mom and my grandmother's prayers chase me down, my dad's prayers. Because the Lord said to me one time, he said, you are the product of prayer. And I thought, I sure am, aren't I? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. So let's lift our hand one more time. Just thank Him. Thank You, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank You, Lord Jesus. Thank you Lord Jesus. thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank You, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank You, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank You, Lord Jesus. See, worship is pr- worship is prayer. Thanksgiving is prayer. Praise is prayer. Hallelujah. We're praying right now. Hallelujah. Thank You, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you Lord God. Hallelujah thank you Lord God. Hallelujah thank you Lord God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you Lord Jesus. Prayers are working. working Prayers are working on some of your kids. Your prayers are working on some of your kids. Your prayers are working on some of your grandkids. Your prayers are working on some of your the people that you work with. Your prayers are working. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Praise God. Isn't God good? Amen. I'm really glad you came to church. Amen. Amen. God's good. Praise God. Well, I want to give you the opportunity to be prayed for. So if the prayer counselors could please come forward. If you have if you have need of anything, prayer for anything, uh, like um, you have a physical problem, a spiritual problem, a mental emotional problem, let these guys pray for you. They'll pray and believe God for you. Amen. Well, we have a picnic today. We have some great food. Wasn't that steak, you guys? Wasn't that steak good? Man, that I thought who who came up with this steak? Man, that was awesome. If you weren't here, you missed a New York strip about 12 ounces thick, juicy. (sighs) Are we having steak today? (laughs) What are we having? Sloppy Joe's. (laughs) Lots of of good salads. But anyways, so we, and then we got these blow up things there for the older people. (laughs) Oh, the older people can go in, I guess, but Anyways, they're primarily for the kids, but we have a going to have a great time of fellowship. I don't know, did they have the tables set up somewhere? Tables in the There might be some table outside. Okay, so we just hope that you'll join us for some good fellowship. But as soon as I dismiss, if you do need prayer, please come forward. And uh, there's also a coffee bar out there. But anyways, it's been good to be with you guys. So let me encourage you. If I'm your pastor, let me exhort you. Take time this week to pray. Would you do that for me? Just to pray. Just take even 10 minutes. Just pray. Spend some time praying. Amen. Well, God is good. You're free to go, everybody. Let's enjoy our our lunch together. Praise God.